Show me in scripture where it says I have to eat beef wellington. <laughs> it's in second fallopians. In my translation, it does say that. I just want to go to the elder It always retreat. comes down to your translation, Sean. <laughs> Welcome to Tales from the Ditch. We are here. Seth and I are here with. Do you want to introduce yourself? No, because you, say the name? you are no, starting you. this off on the wrong foot wanna... with your sass and your defiance. Your anti-establishment. <laughs> we get it. You're more anti-establishment than I am, which is like, okay. I'm which anti- is okay. I just. I don't know. I, st- I have a. I have a hard time trusting. That's all. <laughs> Trusting Who the Bible. hurt you? Who did this to you? <laughs> Who hurt you? I gotta admit, I'm a little distracted because I watched some John Mulaney sketches today and I thought they were hilarious and I can't so say good. any of them. Um, so Tales from the Ditch, the podcast where Sean just coined a term inside called Angridoxy. We're angry but orthodox, mm-hmm. but Sean doesn't want to use the term, so I'm going to use it. Can I steal that term? It's all yours. I'm going to use it in a sermon. That uh, four people will download <clears throat> big time. <laughs> Don't mean to brag, but four listeners can't be wrong. I'm all two likes. All right, tales from the ditch. If you're just joining us, shame on you. You're probably listening to some cooking podcast or Joe Rogan. Uh, but yeah, we just uh, talk about things that I think really only matter to us. But for some reason, you all listen. Yep. We're here today with Michael Cox. Michael, mm. welcome. Thank you. I'm. Uh, <laughs> why are you doing this, Mike? How are you doing? How's your weekend? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, it just occurred to me that the last time I was here, Sean made me pee in his backyard because his uh, his wife was asleep, mm. and he told me to go out back and uh, pee in the corner. When was this? <laughs> It was a couple of years ago. He said that his toilet was broken. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I was the old broken toilet. <laughs> I was immediately uncomfortable when I uh, got here. Well, now I put up a bathroom sign. So, well, all right. So, give us a little. So, you're from our church. What's uh, your position or role at uh, at our church? Uh, so I'm on staff there as the uh, designer, an artist, and. Uh, yeah. And you're a pastor in training. Yep. Uh, you have a kid on the way, Mazel Tov. Yep. As they say in Australia. Yeah, May 30th. The brass taxes. <laughs> you have been um, uh, going to school for some sort of degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, bachelor's in Bible and theology. How's that going? Uh, it's good. Okay. <laughs> what year are you in? I don't know, man. I- I'm like in my fourth year, but I only take uh, pretty much two classes a semester, so okay. I've got about four more years to go. I, if I decide to go back. Fun fact: <clears throat> went to college for eight years. Amazing, and I do double, not have a degree. Double bachelor's. <laughs> that's gonna, that that's <laughs> going to be me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> are, are you in class with Dupree, uh, or is he in a senior citizen class? Is that different? <laughs> <laughs> is that di- do they I wasn't sure if they divided that up. You know, he actually taught one class, not not the whole semester, but he taught a class and uh he just laughed a lot and 
It was good. That guy, yeah. I learned how to smile, so. <laughs> now, <laughs> which I'm not good at, so. <laughs> I, well, you have that menacing smile, like, you know, the Russian mafia when they know. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's <laughs> the nicest thing like you've this. said to me. <laughs> <laughs> what now? All right. Now, this is kind of interesting because <clears throat> Sean knew you a little bit this way, too. How did you first get to know me, Mike? How, how did we become acquaintances? Because I remember meeting you at the mall. You were like 15 or 16, something. You're going to have to fill in some of the blanks there. Because uh, of concussions? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot missing there. Our friend Nando. Nando. Listen uh, to the podcast. I was right, yeah. And he was upset that a certain band would no longer set their goals to come to Reno anymore. <laughs> that was entirely Seth's fault. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Does Nando know that? I, yeah, I told him that. Excellent. Nando, dude, I am so, well, I'm partially sorry. I don't think they're that great of a band, but I'm sorry you didn't get to see them more. But yeah, that was 100% me, and they still blame me on Lamb Goat. <laughs> Lamb Goat? Is Lamb Goat still around? <laughs> I don't know. They always blame me on that stupid side. Anyway, Mike, yeah, I met you at Melwood Mall when you were 15. Yeah. What yep. details can you patch up in there? What what organization gentlemen were we a part of? Uh, well, in the in the former years, I, we were both straight edge. And uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. <laughs> Are you guys telling me the whole time? <laughs> Now, Sean, this is a twist of a tale. <laughs> yeah, I met you in the uh, straight edge hardcore scene. Yep, yep. Uh, were you 15 or 16? What was it? Was I must have been 16. I, drove, I, was I drove myself to the mall. It was great. Oh, okay, because I remember I'm only three or four years older than you. How old are you right now? 34. I'm 31. So. Okay, yeah, because I know your brother's a year ahead of me, and I'm two or three. And then I know your brother Sean's ahead of Ryan, right? Yep, yeah, he's yeah, eight, yeah. eight years older than me, so Jeez. great name. <laughs> Can I ask you guys something? Sure. Maybe um, oh, I'm kind of curious from don't, don't get me in trouble. <laughs> um, how would you define straight edge? I know that probably everybody has heard of it and knows what it is, but how would you guys define it from your perspective? I, isn't it weird? Wait. I, this just occurred to me. What episode is this? 20-something? 20 25. And I have not talked about Straight Edge once. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I am actually kind of curious. I mean, huh. I don't want a history of it, but no, I, nobody does. I'm just no, curious. No <laughs> I'm just curious, like, in your context, when um, you guys were participating heavily with mm -hmm. the Straight Edge hardcore scene, what do you think now... What, how would you define straight edge? <laughs> Besides a mistake. Um, <laughs> um, you start, Mike. I need to... Well, do you want me to stall so you can think? <laughs> no, I, I was just recently question? talking about this at a bar, ironically. Oh. <laughs> That's where I have most of my discussions. Oh, wait, days. wait. So... You guys are sellouts now, right? We'd be considered yeah. sellouts. Yeah. We'd Technically, yes. I just want to make that Which clear. Is, that, that's like a... That is not... Well, that's not good. I, yeah, it's not a badge you, of honor. I'm but, trying to explain that to you. Yeah, it's yeah, not a badge at, of honor. that's what I'm saying. As you define it, mm. right. um, you're defining it from the perspective you, you of You sold out your beliefs. You, uh, if you even once drink, you're not straight edge anymore. It's yeah. Nice. yeah. I, I would say... Uh, Man, looking at it from, you know, uh, 
the perspective that I now have, straight edge is uh, part philosophy, part commitment, part lifestyle. I don't know. It's it's very bizarre because it's uh, it seems inflexible in some ways and very flexible in other ways. But uh, I guess it's it's a a personal decision to live your life without drugs or alcohol. Complete, yeah, complete uh, abstinence from uh, any substances like that. But then you get into uh, you get into debates. And I know Mike will remember this. Like, okay, well, can you take painkillers when you have surgery? Right, right. So that was debated. Then it was, um, well, what about the third X? So sexual purity. That, that was another as well. That was another one that was debated. Was like, well, do you have to be abstinent? Sexual. Another one was veganism because people said, well, the way food is processed, the meat. Um, that could be bad to your body. Then it was like, well, what if you just eat unhealthy? Yeah, yeah. It, it got, and then you got into, yeah, a lot of fine, but the main thing was like, all right, um, no, uh, drinking, smoking, drug, the main thing. You, you could debate the other ones, but that was like the main one I think everyone agreed on. Right. Like of, right. You can't do that. And, and yeah, if you did even once, it's your call to sell out. You're, Mike and I, yeah, I'm, I would be seen as a sellout, which, it just doesn't have the same power to me <laughs> used to, but yeah, it, and I, I think early on, more so than you know when Seth and I were involved, it was more of a kind of almost a, a brotherhood. I think it lost a That's lot of true, that yeah. later on, but I think part of the appeal to me personally was you know I, I I think looking back, I was very fearful a lot of the time, and uh, I found a bunch of guys who were just as angry as me, just as um, I don't know renegade as me <laughs> and uh there yeah. was camaraderie there you know and it's i just have a brotherhood right right yeah well and it's like yeah just uh especially so if you have guys who you think are tough and they're older and they got tattoos they kind of have this like air about them and then they're telling you you're tough I don't know. There was just so much to get caught up in because mm-hmm. there was a purpose. There was a cause. You'd always be fighting someone. There'd always be someone you were against. Um, you'd always have guys who were older, like pumping you up, pouring in you telling, you know, you can do us like we're fam. The language. If you look at the language, um, it's family. True till death. True till death. We're a family. We're right. brothers. It's a brotherhood. Very relational, very community oriented, very we're connected, this familial uh, language. Even, and if you listen to um, some of the language, um, also you see a lot of victory and triumph language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because overcoming struggles. O- overcoming, we're going to win. We'll push them back. We'll overcome. We'll fight. We'll do this. Whereas uh, my friends who are more into like goth or punk, I sometimes felt like it was a lot of victim mentality of, well, the world sucks. I'll get mad. But I didn't see a lot of action. Whereas this was, no, if. If, if you feel victimized, you go and hit them with a bat. So there's yeah. a lot of, yeah. So it's interesting. There was triumph language. There was familial language and it was all to unite. And when you have a common enemy and you fight next to each other, that unites you too. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's where it gets murky because, uh, there is no <laughs> straight edge isn't set up, you know, in and of itself with enemies. Kids yeah. who you people, make the enemies, <laughs> right? People who are straight edge make enemies, and then because you're straight edge, I'm gonna fight alongside you. And right, you're you're separating. The whole goal is for you to separate, right? From, I mean, from from, from the, the dominant culture, value. from dominant society, right? Yeah. yeah, you're separating. 
the violence and and potentially right. gang activity type of stuff. Juggalos that happens. Later. That's kind of a <laughs> juggalos are common kind enemy. Of, yeah, but I think that's kind of a similar. They're a common parallel, enemy of humanity, uh, though. I feel like. <laughs> That's like not just strange. That's everyone. Okay, talks can I ask you something? Go ahead. Seth, I thought you brought up something important. Yeah. We, you and I started in, I guess, I don't know what you call it, the alternative scene or whatever, as punk kids. Yeah. And it started out kind of as a kind of soft, we had like gateway punk, like Offspring and Green Day and, and things like that. And eventually wanted something a little more, things seemed more meaningful when they were, when they had more of a hard edge. And so, yeah, yeah, it gets more and more and more. Um, I I don't want to say the music got harder because I still love soft, goofy punk, but not me. Um, at some point, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the ska, you don't like the skanking, and all never the, uh, With the dancing and the trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, um, when you're saying this is a lifestyle, you need something with a little more foundation than just goofy, yeah. fun-loving music. Yeah. And when you're picking something that, at the time, I think you think is going to be your life's goal, um, like you said, Seth, you wanted something that was less of a victimized, less of a... I didn't want to just complain. I wanted big to fight wuss. back. Yeah, you wanted to actually overcome or triumph or whatever. I actually... All right, so here's the thing. All right, because I do – this is a question for Mike, and I actually want to get into a subject which I know Mike will not want to talk about, which is theology. Mm. Um, so mm. last question for this. All right, and here's how I'm going to frame it because I think some people don't get it. Okay. So many people read Lord of the Rings and stuff, and it all sounds great. They're like, oh, they're on this adventure and it's right. so crazy. Right. But if you were really living it, running for right. miles on end – not sleeping, in the rain, starving, right. and every day wondering if someone's going to kill you. If you were actually in the experience, you'd go, this isn't that fun. I'm fighting for my life. Like, it's not as cool as I thought. It'd be exciting, but you'd be stressed. You'd be broken. Like, the end of Return of the King, Frodo and Sam are just, like, busted up. Like, right. bleeding. So, it's this grass is always greener. It's this, oh, if I could just do this. Um with what you and I were doing, I think sometimes there might be the idea of like, oh, they were getting in fights and doing this. It's so exciting. But I remember visiting you in the hospital because yep. you had a concussion. And then you have hospital bills. Mm-hmm. Is it urgent care? Is it ER? Is Are the guys coming back? Did we know who it was? Are they guys who go to my school? Are they guys I'm going to be walking down the street and they recognize me and I don't recognize them? Like – we, I, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like either together or you witnessed, at least me and you, were in our fair share of like violent altercations. Yep. Some more than others. I'm not going to name names. But looking back now, I mean, I don't see them as glorious. Like what was, what would you say was kind of the dark side or what you saw of like, okay, cause obviously you're with the, you're following the gospel now. So obviously straight edge didn't like fulfill its promise or couldn't live up to all your soul desired. What's kind of the dark side of it? What was the downside where you kind of went, man, this isn't like living up to what I need, what my soul needs. Uh, just, there was an overwhelming sense of emptiness and even loneliness because you're surrounded with um, a bunch of guys who are on the surface and even maybe down to their core, very committed, very loyal, 
But then you see their willingness to cross lines, cross boundaries. And uh, for me personally, I never... Uh, the, I was always afraid. Um, you know, just growing up, I watched my brother get jumped at 12 years old. So I thought, okay, this is the way the world is. And uh, I need to develop myself so that I can survive. So Straight Edge was like an avenue for survival. And that's all it was for... 10, 12 years, just survival. It, always in fight or flight mode, usually fight mode. <laughs> and uh, I had to develop a, a reputation, a persona of the, the crazy one. Because I wasn't a big dude. I'm not a big dude. I'm not, I, I wasn't, understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily tough, but I had to develop this fake Mike who was crazy and violent and willing to do anything. And there was that side of me, like I was willing to do stuff and I did do stuff that is crazy. <clears throat> but on the inside, you know, I'd go home at night and just exactly what you're talking about. Be afraid that, oh my gosh, these guys are going to come back and they're going to hit 10 times harder next time. Yeah. Or are the cops coming to my door? Did somebody rap me out? Um, uh, yeah. And, Which and they plus, always do. There was, there was just a level of general distrust that I had towards everybody to where I could not expose these weaker parts of myself. Cause the whole, the whole movement, the whole social group of straight edge and car- hardcore is built upon like, yeah, I'm hopeless and lonely inside, but I'm going to keep fighting anyway. And so you can never really expose your inner despair and weakness. Yeah. And so I always had to have this front up. I felt like, so uh, you know, since now knowing that we're made in the image of God, we're relational beings. I I rarely ever had genuine relationships, except mm-hmm. by God's grace with with Seth and like with a couple of other guys. But I think for the most part, man, it was just a lot of hiding, a lot of uh, a lot of covering up myself with this veneer of toughness and craziness that uh, I'm still having to like fight against that. You know? Oh yeah. Like, it, it built within me a habit of anger and violence that I still have to continuously, even on a weekly basis, say no to. Like, put it to death. Was was Nando straight edge? No, I don't, I don't yeah. believe oh, so. Oh, then I only half he, apologize. He wasn't... <laughs> he's just, he just really enjoyed hardcore, I believe. Do you have any questions for Mike and I on this? I mean, I, how have we not talked about this? I would have I thought know. we would have brought this up like 20... 20- I wish it would have been on episode 24. you wouldn't have to deal with it i actually i don't think i have any questions for you i just um uh i guess what i'm curious about is uh i know because i know you guys yeah i know that you are not sitting here saying oh there's people that haven't sold out that are still straight edge i know that you're not saying you're better than them or you have no, figured no, no, no. out life more than them, or you're more mature than them, or anything like that. No. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, what your your definition of straight edge would be, knowing that you're no longer a part of it. However, um, you that doesn't mean you've lost respect for any of the people, um, or that you are 
uh, somehow superior to them or anything like that. So I was curious about that. And so that being said, and this is the last thing I, I want to talk about, I guess, about last that, thing and then five more things. Go ahead. Yeah. Is <laughs> Matt I'm, Chandler sermon. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, like this is a cliche statement, but all of the things that you were looking for, I think when you became straight edge, like that camaraderie, that brotherhood, mm-hmm. loyalty, but victory, drugs, <laughs> lots, lots, of uh, <laughs> carnal satisfaction, whatever it is. Did you find those through the gospel or through whatever transformation has occurred because of the Holy Spirit? I found what I was really looking for. So I thought it was carnal satisfaction. I thought it was to be the toughest. But there was, all right, I hate calling this guy because he just is such a doofus Uh-oh. to me. Rob Bell. Mm. He's always like, what's the question behind the question? And Rob, that's the only time I'm going to quote you other than calling you a heretic. Um, I wasn't looking for carnal satisfaction. I wanted to feel total acceptance and vulnerability and affirmation above what I felt um, fighting. It wasn't just fighting. I wanted a purpose. I wanted a meaning. I want something to direct my energy towards. And a crew. And and Mike, you don't have to answer. Were you jumped in? Yeah. Okay. So when I was jumped in, I wasn't looking for just a title. I want to belong to a community. Yep. So what I was really looking for, yes, I found it. But I also still have to day by day remind myself what I'm really looking for. Because yeah. I still think it's some cheap answer, even though it's shown me um, that it was never enough. It, it's never been enough. Here's the one thing. Um, gosh, I say this because I love these guys so much. They could never bring me peace. They could offer me war. They could offer me someone to fight. But like... I could never in my soul feel this restful peace about who I was. Yeah. Because if you think of it, straight edge is very much a works-based philosophy. Constantly proving yourself, constantly reaffirming your identity, because every day your actions define if you are straight edge. Yeah. And it's exhausting. It's tiring. I remember, uh, gosh, I haven't even said this to a lot of people. I remember one night... I was so mad at myself because in a fight, I didn't fight as hard as I, you know, wanted to. And, um, I was alone in my apartment too. And thinking about how I wasn't married. I don't have a kid. I like, I barely my, and I remember I was just thinking I had my desert Eagle. My 40 cal was just like toying with like putting it in my mouth just cause I remember I did and then stopped. But like, I, I it just, I'm going, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to be in prison, or I'm going to be dead. None of my desires have been met. Because you can't you can't sleep around enough to fulfill it. You can't mm-hmm. fight enough. Because here's the thing, too. Fighting, there's always someone new. Yep. There's always someone tougher. Sleeping around, there's always a new girl. But it's like, I was just so broken, and so just, even, you know, with issues with my dad and so many things, where I'm like, I just don't want to feel how I feel. And the only time I didn't feel that way was fighting or, you know, some intimate encounter. I think I'm being generous calling it intimate, but some sexual encounter or fighting. Mm. But it never lasted. Because that's what I loved about fighting was when I fought and blacked out, I didn't feel anything. I didn't want to be me. I didn't like being me. So 
I think that here's the thing. And I want to write a book about this. No joke. I think we can look at every style of music and learn something like punk pushes back against excess and corruption of like, look at the brokenness and systems rap and hip hop talks about, you know, a people and how they've risen up and, you know, dignity and poetry through this almost defiant rhyme, hardcore. I mean, all these have it. There are things I was searching for in hardcore that what I was searching for wasn't bad, but it went sideways. Yeah. And here's the thing. The problem really isn't hardcore. It's me. Hardcore. It's just music. It's a stop. It was, it, it was a culture formed by people who don't follow God. And I was expecting it to fulfill something that it never could. Right. It's crazy. And it's funny. And I blame hardcore, but really hardcore is looking at me going, Hey, I'm just a music style. I'm a philosophy written by broken people. And you're expecting me to be heaven. I, I was what was wrong. I was one expecting it to fix me when really it's like it never could. I was putting a burden on never could. Now don't get me wrong. There's things are sinful and wrong that happened there, but it was a system written by broken people. And I was expecting it to be heaven. Yeah. I just didn't want to be me anymore. I didn't want to be this broken, pathetic, depressed person who, you know, isn't noticed. Like when I walked into a concert, people would look at me and talk to me. They wanted to be my friend. And I just, I felt like, I mean, I mattered for a heartbeat, you know? So the definition didn't change. I just, I'm looking at the meaning going, yeah, but doesn't like the definition is the same. I go, yeah, you abstain, you separate, blah, blah, blah. But my perspectives changed where I've going abstaining isn't all, you know, that life's about separating from society. Isn't all that life's about being pure and fighting. Isn't all that life's about. So my definition hasn't changed. It's just my value of the definition. I go, well, it's like we have our country. I'm sorry, but it's terrible with masculinity. So we have lost men looking for a war, looking for a fight. And then we get Which mad at them when thing. they fight one. Yeah. Which we, is a good thing. Yeah. There, so, there are things to fight against. I mean, it's weird because I'm just so glad that finally the answer to my, all my hopes and fears, Donald Trump is in office. Cause it's just, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's Thanks. fixed everything. Thanks that wall, that. the walls up. We're good. Um, like- we've stopped all terrorists. The economy's good. There's no investigations. The FBI's fine. Continue, Sean. What I want to. I want to read your book whenever you make it. But I like that you. I'm brought also up writing Evan. a child's book with magic and fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Co-written by Maverick. Co-written forward by Rob Bell saying I don't agree with this book. <laughs> it bashes me from chapter one. I just like that you brought up heaven. The reason I'm curious about this is because I've talked about my previous lifestyle, which was very similar to your guys' previous. I was never straight edge, but I always hung out. You hung out, out with us. We were all. You yeah, were down. I was down. Sean most Moss, of downtown stuff. Brown. You guys Sean crossed Moss. some lines that I was unwilling to cross. Mm. You, you were but there. I, yeah. I've done yeah. worse you things. approved of the line crossing. I approved didn't of it, you have but a I didn't fighting cross ring it with special ed kids. <laughs> Let's stay on point here. <laughs> Did you try the to drown is, Matt? <laughs> Let's stay on point here. But somebody has said to me, oh. they go, "Hey." <clears throat> now that you're a Christian, did it fulfill all of these things that you're talking about? When you say it, do you mean did Christianity fulfill that? Did or? Christianity did uh, did understanding the gospel? Did the Holy Spirit indwelling me? Or I, I'm not 100. percent They didn't know what they meant because they're not mm. a Christian. Are we supposed to be 100 percent fulfilled? And that's why heaven? I no. think, that's yeah, not. that's why I think it's good that you bring up heaven because I, my honest answer has been no. 
Absolutely. It's I even have harder. A hope. I yeah, have a hope for I'm that. not completely fulfilled. Let me clarify that. Yeah. I still, I'm a whiny little butt sometimes, but and you're not, sorry to use harsh language. And, you're not, and so, like, <laughs> if you approach somebody from your old lifestyle, you're not saying, hey, I found something that does fulfill all of those things. No, no, no. You're no. saying, I found something that has a promise to fulfill right. it, all of those things. It, it's a radical transformation in your, uh, in your outlook on existence and on yourself yes. and on, on reality. And, you know, Seth's talking about like he was longing for all this stuff. I think I gave up all longing. I just wanted to survive the next day right. and uh, not kill myself. But, uh, <laughs> um, straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, so for me, it was just, it, I didn't choose to be a, Christian. I chose to be straight edge. I didn't choose to be a Christian. Yeah. That that literally came upon me one day, that and I to you. I literally felt my desires and my mindset change. That's so crazy. And it was. It was. It was insane. And and uh, I couldn't go back on that. What what am I going to do? Like I'm not the one who changed me. Yeah, I I got undo changed. That? Yeah. Right. But that said, of course I still wake up with this habitual thinking that oh life sucks. And I have to say, oh, wait, no, it doesn't, because God has told me this. And now that God has uh, saved me and transformed me, I, and now I have a relationship with him, I, I believe him, because I know who he is. Right. I know his character. I know what he's already done for me. So I don't have to trust my own <laughs> habitual thinking that I developed over the last decade or so. Right. I can trust what he's written down in Scripture. And I you, got a call in Dubai. Oh, I called Mike from Dubai to hear that he was a Christian. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, right? <sighs> yeah, it was wild. Uh, I remember... It was instant. I think I saw you a little after that happened at a bar. And I was like, oh, it was like Blind Onion, I think. That's hilarious. And I was like, hey, I heard all this stuff. And you were like, yep, it's real. <laughs> and I was like, obviously, you're at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> that, Maybe he's just hanging out mark. with Mikey Hood. That's the mark. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It was crazy, though. I mean, and that was amazing transformation. Like, yeah. for for you, it was one of those oh, yeah. all on the road to Damascus types right, of right. things. Right, just dramatic. Um, but I just think it's good. Like, we have a hope now right. that in God's plan and at the end of it, well, not the end of the story, but the end of of the story of the fallen earth that we will be fulfilled after the rapture and, and tribulation things. after. Yeah. And the, the Jews, God's chosen children, <laughs> Jesus's, uh, oh. second coming before his third. Let me register my sigh. And all of that. <laughs> okay. Let the record show. <laughs> so Mike, <laughs> I want, let me pick your brain. Let's get down to brass taxes. All right. <laughs> So, theology, you seem to, I feel like you have appreciation for it. I do. Right? Yeah. So, if someone asked what's important <laughs> about theology, or, or maybe even this, what do you love about it? Mm. What, what would you say? So, um, feel free to take as long as you want, answer in five seconds. <laughs> Brought to you by Fireproofing Your Marriage, Fireproof 9, and... Prayer fate- Jabez. Prayer of Annual was it? conference in Bermuda. Facing your giants three, the gianting, <laughs> the nepheliming, <laughs> angridoxy. Take that, MacArthur. Oh man, your rapture butt, <laughs> huh? Huh? Go fly up into heaven. 
Huh? Whitey? <laughs> Take that. Whitey? <laughs> We're going to add that. What was the question? No, no, I'm sorry about set your goals. I can't change the past, though, bro. <laughs> Gosh. Shout out to Jason Bennett and uh, Baruch Torres of Reno Judo Club. Jason Bennett is not part of Reno Judo Club. I just like him. <laughs> and we smoke cigarettes together. But Baruch Torres, Reno Judo Club. My man, you love this community. We love you. Shout out. Um, yeah. Mike, I've bought you time. Theology. What do you love about theology? What do I... I have no idea what I love about theology. It's just... <clears throat> but why it's important? Uh, well, what you think about God is the most important thing. I Who stole, said that? I stole that from Tozer. A.W. Tozer. <laughs> <clears throat> we should have a band called X Bulltozer X. X American, <laughs> X American History X. <laughs> Bulltozer. Bulltozer. So awesome. <laughs> Has him X'd up. He's all Armi- halfway Arminianism fool. Uh, my wife hates me. Not a good husband, no. Really? So, why? So, all right. Yeah, Tozer was like a pretty crappy husband. That's what we hear. I don't, I don't know anything about him. I read I know, a lot I was of his there. books. And, and Edwards hated I was his wife. <laughs> Edwards hated people who weren't the shade of the moon. So, all right. So, why do you think theology is so important? You said it's the most important thing about you. Why? Because God is real. And uh, we we have obligations to him as our creator. And uh, that's why. We owe, we owe everything to him. Can you... Sorry. And because I do it sometimes with sermons. If someone was brand new, can you break down what is theology? Because you have theo. So, ology is always a study of because you have biology. The, the study of God. There you go. The study of God. The study of the things of God. Um, yeah. And and there's there's thousands of offshoots and different languages and all kinds of ologies. And mm, I burned my tongue. Go ahead. <laughs> Brick. So... Um, is there any, like, all right, so you say study of God is important, you know, mm-hmm. all this. Why is it so important what you think or what you know about God? Why is that so important? The whole, uh, purpose for all of our existence is, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole purpose. To give God glory and enjoy him forever? <laughs> no. To know him. To- is that the chief end of man? Oh, gosh. <laughs> is it to know him oh. or give him glory? What is it? I think, uh, <laughs> I think when you know, when you know God, you're going to give him glory because you're going to find out oh, who he uh, is. Touche. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. To pay you, BB. <laughs> I'm going to use as many phrases wrong as possible. Nope, Logan leads it. All right, so getting down to brass taxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the brass flaxseed. <laughs> All right. So if you know him, you think it's to know God is like a super. Why is it so crucial to know God? Because what if I say, well, wh- why do I need to even know? Say there is a God. Why do I need to know him? Can't I just have a discussion, bro, on stage with my congregation? It's not a sermon. It's a discussion and just talk about things in vague terms with an ambiguous haircut. Yeah. Who, does God who, need who? to be known? God needs nothing. We need it. We need to know him. Uh, Because there's, by virtue of us being created by him in his world, according to his 
and this world exists according to his power. It, it exists because he wants it to exist. We're, we're living in his reality. This isn't our reality. He's at the center. So, uh, any attempt at our movement to go away from him is, uh, it's not just, don't, you can't just think of it in like moral terms. It's, you're bucking up against the way reality is built, the way reality is constructed. You live and move and have your being in God. Hmm. So you don't even exist apart from him hmm. saying so. And uh, he's so good that even as, you know, like we all once existed, <laughs> living in, in, in complete rebellion against him, spitting in his face, even then he was granting us life. Not only that, but he was granting us families and friendships, all of these, uh, you know, graces that we didn't, de- didn't deserve. We didn't earn. Hmm. Uh, so when you, when you come to know who God is by virtue of, um, who he is, what he's done, what he is doing, nothing exists apart from him. Um, I heard a good quote from Lewis that said too, when we go to the new heaven, new earth, um, that's the most human we become. Right. And actually to know God, the more we know him, the greater you will know yourself because you know your purpose, you know what you're designed for. Right. I mean, because I, I'm trying to think of pragmatic because someone might say, yeah, well, what's in it for me? I go, well. Everything. Yeah. You will know yourself. And even this, like God doesn't need me to worship him. No. But he definitely deserves it. And and his very nature in my mind demands glory just by virtue even if he doesn't ask for it right but i will say if you really want to truly be human and truly as much of you as you can be it's got to be found in the source which is got like this it's to say well you know let's have a hammer but have no nail or nothing to use it against right it'll still exist but it is most itself when it's correct function purpose need uh reason is being used where you go, ah, that's what hammer's for. And I feel like with God, we go, ah, this is what I'm for. You're most yourself when you are in him. When it, you it, know exactly. Him. And it takes, it takes all of the pressure off of you oh, to have God. to, to have to put on a front of any kind Yeah, because you're already accepted by, by the one being who everybody has to encounter. Everybody has to encounter him. And he's already stamped approval on you and said, I love you. Why? Because I want to, because I chose to, and and all this so and all this is the reason that Ryan Smith voted for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, I thought that's where you were going. Uh, how, how did you, you know, know? I have a, actually a good. Um, <laughs> how did you a parable. Know? This is a Sean parable. Um, I use no cussing or slurs. No, 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 no. It's, is it orthodox? It, this this is not orthodox. Is it angrodox? But you, but it will take, become after tonight. It off. will be orthodox. <laughs> so, I usually use this in terms of like organizational health or what I'm doing at work. But I think this applies perfectly to the life of the human. Imagine a cartoon, <laughs> and the and the main character of the cartoon is a pneumatic nail gun. You know, you hook it up to a compressor and you go... I'm interested. Continue. And it's maybe got eyeballs or something and it can talk and it emotes and stuff like that. And you're like, this is interesting. I've seen weirder cartoons. So the the nail gun, though, doesn't know what a nail is, doesn't know uh, what a building is, doesn't know what framing is, doesn't know what 
a compressor is. He has no idea what he is. He just knows what he's capable of, right? And so this nail gun goes through life for many years, uh, knowing what he's capable of and applying those things functionally to his life. Okay. So he goes, oh, I'm kind of heavy. I can lay on paper and the wind won't blow away the paper. And one day somebody says, no, man, your goal is to hammer nails into wood so that you can create cathedrals, beautiful buildings. And so the hammer goes, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And the hammer's forever changed from that moment. It, like, studies up on nails and, and how nails interact with wood and how nails are driven into wood. And it finally realizes its purpose to, to drive nails into wood. And it's this uh, beautiful pneumatic air gun, but it never... It never knew what it was. It never knew its potential. And so one day, him and a nail meet, and there's a piece of wood over there. And in this cartoon, wood is inanimate. It doesn't have feelings. It's not Presbyterian or Baptist. <laughs> and so it says, what hey, it is. Um, do you know your purpose? And the nail says, yeah, I just heard about my purpose to be driven into wood. And he goes, and my purpose is to drive you into the wood. And they go, let's together do this on mission together as a community. And they go. And the pneumatic air gun, instead of hooking up to a compressor, just starts banging on this nail into the wood with the side of it. And the nail goes in the wood. The nail gun, he's happy. He thinks he did his job. And the nail thinks he did his job. But it's a mess. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And the pneumatic nail gun never knew its true, true purpose. But it was still able to do what it was created to do. But once that nail gun submits itself to be in the hands of the carpenter, the framer... Non-union. It can actually be used the way it's correctly supposed to be used. And make a wall, make a cathedral, make a church, make a castle, whatever it is supposed to be. But there's the knowledge of what it's of what it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to operate in the world, which I think we all kind of figure out at some time. But actually submitting ourselves to the hands of the creator is actually the difficult part. And I think learning the theology. Yeah, I think learning theology is where you start to understand you're not just meant to drive nails into wood, you're meant to be used in the hand of your creator. And that nail gun grew up to be Doug Wilson. <laughs> That's right. How'd you know? That's well, where I was going. Just, you were describing. I'm going. That's Doug. He. I didn't even talk about his beard. If or you his would old say, if the nail gun, the if the nail gun said, "Are you tracking with me?" I would have thought it was Chandler. But nope. That last part, I went, Doug. That's Doug all the way. This is why Jesus spoke in parables because people just get it. Maybe that's Jesus was, was just for. messing with him. You ever think of that? He goes, <laughs> "There was it's no It's like meeting. a seed. <laughs> and Peter's like, "That's so deep." He goes, "You're such a tryhard, Peter. Shut up." <laughs> Get behind me. Get behind me, you <laughs> hipster butt. Uh, all right. You and I were jumped into the same crew, um, saved by grace. We're learning theology, all this. I'm a pastor, which every day I wonder. Astonishing. What's, what's, what's my problem that I would even think this is something I'd want to do? Spurgeon, I think, said if you can do anything else, yep. do it. Um what why why with how the world is with how people are how selfish broken um how politically divided our country why the heck would you want to become a pastor mike what the heck is your problem sorry to use such sharp language gosh 
dumbit. <laughs> what is it? What is it? What's the real phrase? It's like gam dumbit or something or gosh it. Dag, dag, dang gummit. Was it? Dag nabbit. Dang nabbit. That's it. Dag nabbit. <laughs> dag. I heard ligand. Is it ligand or ligand? I think it's ligand. Ligand dungy said like. Gang, dang gummit. He said something like that. Where I was like, "You Southern charm." He's, he's totally Southern. What was it? It was dang gummit. Dad gum. Dad gum. He said, "Dad gum." Was, all right. Sponsored by Mormonism and other lies. <laughs> I meant to see say something else. Gosh, dang it! Yeah, <laughs> but it's my that, stupid that was a accent. Freudian slip. No, because my yeah, it's my idolatry. Tim Keller's idolatry is looking for idolatry. So <laughs> my dad with his freaking Dutch accent taught me how to talk. So now my A's, O's, and every other letter useful in this stupid language is Your butchered. Dinglish made you sin. My Dinglish. This is Angridoxy coming at you. Whatever. Why would you want to be a pastor? I've already disqualified <laughs> myself. Who cares? I'm probably just a dream. Uh, so that's that why it was your last week at Carson. <laughs> Saying the G word. It was my last week at Carson because they actually listened to one of my sermons and went, what, the, what is your problem? <laughs> Who is this dadgum guy? <laughs> dadgum! Dadgum, dadgum, dadgum. Dang, damn it. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> you gotta pick Sean, me. stop laughing! you worried you're gonna say it. Do you want me to do my Chris Farley impersonation? <laughs> Not again. Not like this. <laughs> Why, Mike? Why would you do this? Because seriously, you gotta deal with people who go, uh, I just feel like this church really isn't my fit. And you go, mm, well, have fun in purgatory, you idolater. Like, so why, why would you want to be a pastor? And write a book, because you're writing a new book called Love Wins If You're a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad that I said that. Uh, I can do all things, thank you very much. <laughs> uncalled for. Ugh. Why do you want to be a pastor? This is Waterloo all over again. <laughs> Quit asking hard questions. <laughs> do you even know why you want to do this? Because I, I get up and go, ugh, and just yell at myself in the mirror. I'm like, reformed, 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 and I <laughs> preach a sermon and yell at people for 40 Not, minutes. I, it's genuinely because uh, I love God and his word. And uh, Do you love people? I Are do. you intentional? Because I'll echo that if you're intentional. Oh, gosh. Are you missional? <laughs> Are you gospel-centered? Um, Are you radical? Uh, see... Now, I'm going to go on a tangent. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the whole uh, using gospel as a, as like a tack on adjective is uh, it's very frustrating. As a gospel Christian, I'm surprised you would say that. <laughs> I know, because there are non-gospel Christians and then there are... Every like 20 days, there's a new gospel something book. Oh, and uh, it's supposed to teach us something. How to gospel the gospel is gospeling of gospel. Yeah. Are anyway. you a gospel pastor? Ryan gospeling. <laughs> Zig. <laughs> oh. Well, have you had a gospel awakening yet? Actually, no. I, I Let don't, me take, I I take don't that, think I have. Strike that for I want to echo Sean striking. <laughs> I do have a question related to what Seth said that's maybe easier. To answer. Why is everyone cop out on my answers? I'm all, um, what about this little I, idol? I, answer, try? I this answered will, it. This will answer your question. Um, Do you love people? Was Mike? there a moment? No, of course not. 
Are you kidding me? Have you met people? You don't. Li- How are you going to be a Have shepherd you if you don't people? love the sheep? They're terrible. Uh, was there I a thought moment- the whole thing was about tending sheep. Was there a moment when <laughs> you felt called to be a pastor? Was it immediately? No. Mm, I echo that. Upon your conversion? <laughs> or was there a moment when you were like, uh, I feel called to be a pastor? No. I, it was over time. Like, the f- within the first month I got saved, I remember taking a Bible from Living Stones and, uh, and, uh, just <laughs> tearing it. Apart, not literally, but oh, like, like, that's like, a sin. <laughs> you got to stop that. Do that. I lit it on fire. It was, no, just, uh, getting into like, oh, what does that actually mean? What does that actually yeah, say? Right, yeah. But then that developed into like, I just, I love, uh, I love the whole process of caring for people. Hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it sucks a lot of the time. Like you got to get into people's messes and, uh, but that's all right. I, I think the, the whole process, I, I enjoy being there with people and uh, helping them awaken to the truth that God has revealed about himself and about them. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I really enjoy it. It does sound like you're living your best life now. <laughs> it really does. It, I am. So you got guys like Russell Moore. He's going, you know... At, uh, talking about evangelicalism um, and being an evangelical, the title. You got other people saying, I don't even want to be, you know, call myself evangelical. Because um, I want to say we took a dump on our faith and religion um, in this country. Verified. What do you, let me ask you this. When you look, when you look at the country, when you look at Christianity in America, because we can't speak for anywhere else, like China, they're having a revival. South America, you know, even in the Middle East, all these crazy things. But in America, that's our context. Are you hopeful? Like, all right, evangelicals, we're going to see a more faithful gospel? Or do you think it's going to be more and more of worshiping, uh, what's a, well, just off the top of my head, worshiping a multicolored flag and a nation and a, you know, and a country and politics. I mean, is it going to be more of what we're seeing and we're just going to double down? Or are you hopeful that we're going to have a faithful, meaningful gospel focus, not on power or obtaining the right politician or a nation or, you know, some fake cultural war what do you think? Are you hopeful, pessimistic? Because I know you're A-mill, um, which... Then you already know the answer. We're um, all going to suffer. Is the answer Sam Storms? Is that the answer? <laughs> oh, I was wondering if that was the answer. I defer to Mr. Storms. He's a cool dude, from what I see. Um, yeah, he is. Um, he's an uh, interesting dude. I... Oh, my goodness. I'm listening. You see what I have to put up with? <laughs> What I have, alright, uh, 25 years I've dealt with Sean's crap, alright? 25 years. That's a long time, Sean. I've never rubbed my beard in your business. Mm. <laughs> have you really not? <laughs> Actually, that's You did opinion. punch me into a garage door and almost break my neck on a hill. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Mike. <laughs> I think. The church in America has God is faithful to His people, and mm. uh, 
So we don't have to worry about how much power we have or don't have or what it looks like to the rest of the world. I, I, I think when we try to gauge the condition of the church by the people being interviewed or by whatever else, uh, we're doing it wrong. I think even through the tumultuous years that maybe you're referring to when there is, and there still is idolatry of politicians or, uh, government or systems or education. I think when you get down to it, my, my opinion is Jesus has always been faithful to his church. The church, um, the true church has, has always been, uh, doing what it's supposed to do. Does God need to like come in and correct his people? And yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm hopeful not in the church, but in God, he's going to do whatever he's going to do. And I, that's an anti-orthodox position that I appreciate. <laughs> so, so Barack Obama was not the Antichrist. He was not the beast because I was told. I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I also heard though. Um, I I heard you pick up on a little bit that the church is we we can count on God rescuing His church. Yes, but that doesn't mean the church isn't going to suffer in any way. Right. Or I, the individuals of the church, I guess I should say. I, I, I always... an era? Oh. Are you getting... Uh, you, that's an all-mill position that you're... <laughs> no, it's not. I define what it is. <laughs> yes. No, I agree. Sean no, I'm referring to I, the golden era I'm where so everything's fine. so close to all-mill, but I'm, I'm just not there yet. You just got to read the Bible more, <laughs> and uh, you'll get there. We'll uh, see. Yeah. God is going to, to be faithful to his people, but show me... Anywhere in scripture where he says, everything's going to be all right. Right. And, uh, I think one of the most helpful ways this has ever been put to me was, was by one of my professors. He said, um, there's, there's two different paradigms that you can approach Christianity in America. You can go for the exile paradigm or you can go through the Exodus paradigm. So the Exodus paradigm is, uh, we're going to get this land. We're going to get back to the promised land. We're going to go to the promised land. We're going to, we're going to get things going again. We're going to be in power. We're going to have everything that we need in this promised land. And, uh, that's not what God has called the church to. God has called the church to an exile paradigm where we are the minority and yet we are still acting like Christ to the people around us. We're trying to bless them. We're trying to do good for them, not because they deserve it, but because God's called us to do that. So, we aren't at home here. America is not our home. Uh, it never has been and it never will be. And we need to stop like thinking that we are the savior of the world and instead just point people to the savior. Like, mm. you know, John the Baptist, mm -hmm. we must decrease and he must increase. Sean Mike question. Russell Moore's statement was, and it wasn't popular. He said, uh, the Bible doesn't need a belt. And he says we are to be a prophetic minority, not a moral majority. Absolutely. Yeah, word up. Why do people hate him? I love that guy. And people are like, he likes black people. Well, yeah, he's not racist like people you. People fight turd. for their comfort. And I think that's, yeah, that's what exactly this is about. What is, this. Yeah. Uh, they tried to it? fire him, dude. It's like. It's a promised land. That's a promised land paradigm. Paradigm. Yeah. And I, I do feel like, I mean, I understand where people are coming from. We are currently in a wilderness, and 
undergoing suffering and difficulty and stuff like that, but God is leading us through. And one day we will be in a promised land. And we need to stop thinking that it's going to happen on earth. Yeah. Or it, on this earth. In this earth as yeah, it currently is. Exactly. We, we are awaiting a new creation. <laughs> ah, So exile. Alcorn would be proud. <laughs> exile, question. You're talking about like Babylonian exile. Yeah. Where, where Jews, God, God himself put his people through suffering. Through discomfort. Yeah. Right. Remove their comfort, right. as a matter of fact. But still mm. ask them to participate in that state of discomfort with with All of the fellow towards, Babylonians and, right. and whatever else. Yeah. Right. I totally, I think that's a great statement. When they were in exile in Babylon and they had to vote, who was the lesser of the two evils? That's why I always wonder. I'm like, <laughs> that's the thing. They had four parties. They're like, well, this, this guy's the Republican. Like, he only sacrifices babies every now and then. And then this guy worships Draco, which is clearly the socialist. So I was just wondering who they vote for as the lesser of two evils in the Roman culture and the Babylonian culture, since that's clearly universal since American Christians are the center of the universe. So do you think maybe they didn't vote? Sean, <laughs> what? When the Bible says honor authority, it clearly means, means participate and affirm the system that's in place. Cause that's the translation that, uh, idolaters use. Go ahead. I, I just am curious. <clears throat> Ryan Smith in Bernie. that exile <laughs> mentality. It, is it your responsibility to vote? No. <laughs> oh, I love. I love Sean has been waiting for this Thank moment you. Finally. for so long. For so long, my whole life, <laughs> he's been waiting for the longest time. <laughs> oh, for the longest time, Ryan Smith. I want to have Ryan back on. No. All right. All jokes aside, I love Ryan Smith. Like, he's, he is one of my favorite people. Um, Gavin Jarvis, who, uh, is our one Hobbit representative. I love him. The Shire, I mean, is mainly pre Melvin. I have a question (sighs) for you. Why are we even here? What? Mike. Um, (sighs) so you have arrived at an amillennialist position based on your, studies and uh like you said you're very stark and rigid transformation once you became a christian intriguing so <laughs> uh so i honestly be as honest as possible oh no and i know most all millennials are not honest so this will be hard so wow <laughs> so t- tell me did you uh. arrive at that conclusion purely based on scriptural study or were there outside influences that uh, that helped you to like arrive the Holy at Spirit? <laughs> okay. I'll he say, zigged when you thought he was going to zag. I saw, I'll say deity or scriptural influences. How about that? I'm honestly curious because no, a I, lot I'm, of people, it seems like they, it seems like in America, at least everybody starts pre- goes to awe, and then if they're still have some kind of discontent in them, they end up post. I went the opposite. I know. I understand that. <laughs> I was like, God, the record. You're a pariah. It's, it's, <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah, you uh, did go the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's honest. Read 1 Corinthians 15. No. And uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> 
15. It says that when Jesus comes back, that's the death of death. Uh, mine says it's blocked for explicit content. <laughs> Why are we even here? What's the point? What, what, okay, what here's, the here's, 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 actually, here's what I'm curious here's, about. Here's, the main, here's one of the main reasons. Uh, Did you arrive at a allegorical interpretation oh my goodness where scripture calls for it yeah yeah so how how did you determine um the first let's say the first time you read this or the first time you tried to um figure out a construct for this how did you determine what was allegorical and what wasn't oh my goodness by reading guys smarter than me so not scripture, though, right? Oh my goodness! You're saying external to scripture. I'm just curious. I just wanted. Well, this gets back to your unorthodox <laughs> hatred of <laughs> orthodoxy. True. How did I arrive at did determining arrive? or what, or, or was it from outside influence? Which it sounds like it was from books. <laughs> what did you use, Mike? Was it logic? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like that Jesus doesn't carry around a giant key reasoning yeah there we go and Satan's not going to literally be bound up with a physical chain how do you know that Uh, because the text Home Depot doesn't have chains (laughs) like that Sean yeah God chain can do it and he can Here's have the a thing. big key. You ha- Who it- are you to say he can't have a big key? He Who doesn't want one. to say to the potter that you, know you can't what? have a big Keys key? Keys are gaudy and pompous, and it's just what I would think would come from someone like you who is a hater of orthodoxy. I say good day. So you you, you'd have to read. Tear his shirt. <laughs> are you guys saying there's no literal dragon? No. Oh, there's dragons, just not Satan. I'm talking about Satan's not a dragon. Oh, I believe in dragons, too. Yeah, but just not Satan. Satan's, Satan's, Satan's not, not a literal dragon. dragon. No, not in Revelation. He's clearly, clearly uh, being... He's using images. He disguised Imagery. himself as an angel of light. To re- <laughs> You have to read Revelation chronologically. Whatever. If you want to be a premillennialist. And that's not how John intended it to be read. Because that's not... Is, is that okay? All right, Mike. And I'm asking you this as multiple PhD of theology. Um... You have those, or I do? Oh, I ain't got Jack. I don't even know why they let <laughs> me talk. Um, cake or pie? Mmm. Cake. <laughs> Whoa. We are betrayed! Whoa! I know. I, I thought never he saw been, this coming. I would have thought he was a pie guy. I David Beck so is so pumped right now. Oh, my goodness. And people are going, this who's is- David Beck? I'm not going to explain. You should listen regardless, you heretics. Now that's because of, it's got to be, uh, you know, like the, what do they call it? Confetti birthday cake, the white cake that has the sprinkles in Fun. it. Oh, garbage. Fun Fetty. Yeah. Fun Fetty. Fun garbage. Yeah. I, I misheard you, Seth. I Little you known fact, it was actually Pope Gregory II who started Fun Fetty cake. Well, then I changed my answer to pie. Justin Martyr was like, Hey, I like how they cut into the pie, just like how they stab into my flesh. It's, just, it's the same. That's why I like pie. It reminds me of my brutal murder. <laughs> you know, they make the little X creases to let the steam out. You know, they let you Justin said- Martyr's blood out with the little oh creases. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> oh he's goodness. dead. <laughs> oh, oh, he has to forgive me. His name is Martyr. Big crybaby Justin Martyr. Get over I'm dead. it. You know what? I had 
I had, um, uh, <laughs> look at Seth being unorthodox here. That's not I, me. I'm not saying no, that. No, hold on. Justin Martyr wants to cry about being martyred. I had a splinter under my nail for two days. I know. I've dealt with this. I had to go without Wi Fi for five days. All right. I was in a refugee camp where all I got to do was eat delicious food and play soccer. I know about suffering. Ryan Smith, I would never um, uh, affirm or commission an elder who I wouldn't trust to like preach or teach my family about the gospel. I would trust Ryan with that, and I would trust you, Mike. Well, thank I, you. So I would commission you guys right now. And I think when this whole thing is settled, we should get an apartment. And Sean, I, <laughs> I would have commissioned Sean, but he, he didn't want to be because our oh, conviction and I believe wisdom, he decided, no, I don't want to be elder, but I would trust any of you three to lead my family, just like I would trust facing your giants, number four. <laughs> when you want to lead your family in wholesome VHS, cause I think it's, like I VHS. agree. I would like, I, I want to say the same I thing. I trust Ryan Smith. I like the dude. I really do. In honor to Ryan and MacArthur, and I'm Mike, coming for you. Like, uh, I, if I had the full authority of a church, I would commission you to plan a church, right? See? Now. See, he does believe in church authority. I do. <laughs> oh, why? Why are you guys Local like this? Local church authority. And here's what I w- want to say. Like, there was, there's been times when, like, I actually felt really disconnected from let's say the church or from community people that I thought were loyal to me, maybe betrayed me, or there's been times when I felt like I was not welcome in a culture that's supposed to be more welcoming than anything. And then I got this text that said, God is not dead. I knew knew that everything was the way you had to go argue with your college professor, (laughs) Kevin Sorbo about, (laughs) is that Dean Kane? Dean uh, Kane? No, yeah. Kevin he was Sorbo. in that. No, Dean Kane, Dean was, Kane in that. was in that for sure. <laughs> he was. Was he? Yeah. And I want to be like, is that Dean Kane? He was like the rich Dean? guy. Oh, I do remember that. He's yeah. like, I defy God. No, Dean Kane was of generic excuses. Dean was that Kane the rich was. Uh, I like the fact that yes, these he was. guys are. I'm gonna side with Shay. I like the fact that these guys are like, hey, we want to submit our careers to this Christian ethic. I just wish they would do it in a more winsome way than Dude, Christian directed movies. A, that, that movie is a revenge flick. It is. And yeah. it's strange because I, what college professor is actually that much of a, of like an anti-Christian? I understand that college professors, many of them in secular colleges, like want people to get past their, uh, small minded. Get over your views. Christianity, Sean. So that you can go for, but what? I've never met a professor that was like, "Oh, this guy thinks God is alive." What an idiot! This is, never so this is my this my is my only other than this. I think the movies are fantastic. This is my only gripe is that the movies are garbage and crap. Other than that, I have no gripe. With yeah, the, the direction is poor. The music is poor. The, the acting plot, is poor. The plot is really bad. The writing is bad. The cinematography. The cinematography is awful and the editing is really bad. But other than that, they're actually pretty it's, good it's, movies. The rest is great. The rest is phenomenal. Like, there was a moment where Kevin Sorbo just breathed and didn't do anything. I was like, hey, you can breathe. Good, you know, good for you. I was like, that... He, he did, like, the director's, like, just stare and pretend you're a bad actor. He did. I was like, nailed it. Like, it, I echoed that acting. <laughs> uh, 
Wait, can I ask you guys something? Oh, gosh. literally, I this will be the last thing because we got to wrap it up. What is a movie that has to you been on a transcendent level more oh. than any other movie? So, like, <laughs> a lot of people will say God is not dead. <laughs> Obviously, that's it's, a winner. It's, it's God's not dead. Oh, sorry. There's no I. Sorry. That's a very good it's point. Polytheism. There's no I in <laughs> God's not dead. <laughs> Zeus is alive. That's right. Don't count him out. <laughs> you haven't seen him for a while. Okay. So what is the movie that and I'm saying this because I just watched Heat because it just came on a Netflix. Dude, oh. such a good movie. And it's such a good movie. The so not so beautiful. So not transcendent at all. The uh, guns and I'm shooting, not sure what that that's is. That's how you shoot cops. Sorry, Sometimes continue. the end of that Dude. movie is a little transcendent, but not not in the Dude, way that, that movie is aren't. amazing. It's so that's good. That's one of my favorite movies. It's so good. <laughs> that's a different movie. But anyways, <laughs> what is a movie that is that like you're like, oh man, I'm in a I'm in a desert in my faith i'm in a valley i need to watch this movie to pick me up what's a movie that does With that our, it affects our faith i've like, never gone to a movie that doesn't affect your faith but that is in something that puts you into a great lifts you up as a human yeah it makes you feel Dude. like you can i answer God. first my name's mike go ahead mike no you go ahead dang it <laughs> um all right so ah oh, this is so hard um all right, so there's. Does it have to be it, recent? It has to be one. No, just not. one movie. Top five. I don't know. All right, this is going <laughs> to be. You are waffling. This is going to take so That's long. All right, all right, hold on. First one that comes to your mind. I A little that. cathartic is Goodwill Hunting for me. Hmm. A little cathartic, just because my life is uh, a dumpster fire sometimes in the past. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Another movie. Hey, it's not your fault, Seth. Don't you? It's do not this your to fault, me, man. Don't mess I want with you. Me. No, it's not your he's, fault. He's dead. Are you showing any Gosh. reference? You're right. <laughs> like I am. All right. So, Goodwill Hunting. Um, if I want to get amped up, I watch Glory or Braveheart. Um, because uh, I, you know, these movies where you watch them and there's a part of you that waits for like that moment. All right. This is going to sound so... Uh, it might sound cliche. Tombstone. I do... I I almost said Tombstone. When... when <laughs> all right. So this is... As a guess. Oh, gosh. And so many... Yeah. I'm Mike's your Huckleberry. So... Right. They look at Doc Holliday, and he's coughing up, and they go, you know, you're dying. You ought to be in bed. And Doc Holliday says, well, Wyatt Earp's my friend. Yeah. And they're like, I got lots of friends. He's like, I don't. I don't. And then even our, and this speaks to me in the past, he goes, talk about Johnny Ringo, he goes, he can never kill enough, steal enough, he's got this hole inside of him, mm-hmm. and he says, well, what, what does he want? He says, revenge, and he's like, for what? Being for being born. born. Yeah. And I can watch those, I pause for those statements, I tell all my family, be quiet and rebuke them, mm-hmm. I'm like, hold on, hold on, because there are those movies where you have to watch it, I would say another one is the dark night during the interrogation scene with the Joker because he lays it out so much of art. If, if you watch the cinematography and the, uh, the director, how, and uh, just how he sets it up, it's beautiful. So commissioner Gordon is in the light and Joker's in the dark and they're constantly pushing back that 
Gordon is asking questions, trying to find people to save them. And Joker is dismantling his worldview. And then when the light goes on, here's the interesting thing I find funny. When Batman slams his head, the light's flickering. Almost like it's not completely light. Mm. Batman's side isn't completely light. It's just not the shade of darkness Joker is. And what does Joker say? You'll have to break the one rule you have right. to stop me. He says, all this power and you have nothing to stop me. Nothing. And people, here's the thing. People who think they understand that movie will just quote lines of like, well, he's this because he said he's this. It's like saying, well, this guy's angry because he said he's angry. He represents so much more when you get into different philosophies of like chaotic good, chaotic neutral, all this stuff. And Batman, of it gets into questions of, do the ends justify the means? Is that even biblical? Do, do you go to whatever mean, you know, as long as it's a good end? Do you, is there a lesser evil? Or is all evil evil? Is there a good lie? So those are moves. So Dark Knight, Tombstone, um, Braveheart and Glor- Glory, when he says, give him hell, 54. I love it. Uh, Goodwill Hunting, just because I love the idea of a wounded man who finds uh, healing that a uh, broken person like that who's been abused can be redeemed. And even to a different degree, all right, this is my last one road to perdition. Oh, yeah. I think is, so uh, good. I think it has beauty to it. And I think if you discount movies, cause they're not strictly about Kevin Sorbo, um, you're missing out on stuff. So that's it. Mike, what about you? So good. Road to perdition is definitely one. I love it. Uh, arrival is definitely a, Oh, that was a good movie. I said, yeah, that was great. Yeah. It's, and there's even very intentional, uh, you know, transcendent biblical themes placed in there. But, um, Road to Perdition definitely is one of them. I love that scene that you're talking about in <clears throat> Tombstone. I think any, any movie that, um, not any movie, but there's been a lot of movies where, uh, the main character, or, or, or a side character, whoever, uh, displays, you know, visually, physically displays this act of sacrificial friendship. Those things, that always gets to me. And, um, there's a, I can't remember which Marvel movie it is, but there's a scene where Captain America just lets, uh, the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Beat him. I'm with you to end that line. Yeah, he refuses yeah. to fight back. Yeah. Just gets beat. And that's Christ-likeness right there. And uh, I love that scene. Um, I think a movie that is like kind of transcendent but utterly hopeless that I absolutely love is Taxi Driver. And uh, <laughs> it speaks to like this weird loneliness that I used to experience when, you know, when I was in the hardcore scene and everything. But Arrival is definitely... I love uh, the movie Interstellar, but I feel like Christopher Nolan, he he purposely and intentionally tried to make it feel so transcendent with, like, the organ music, with, like, all of these hints that almost sound, like, otherworldly, but then it turns out that humanity is, like, its own hero, and I hated it. <laughs> So I go through the, I love that movie. I'll watch it again and again and again, but you get to the end and it's like, Oh, we are our own heroes. We'll figure it all out. And for that reason, I'm like, ah, I I can't, I can't get behind this. Hmm. Um, did you like fight club at all? No, not really. I only liked 
aspects of it that it did break down the pointlessness uh, yeah, material nihilism and everything return of the king all right return of the king here's one yeah. part i like all right this is gonna sound so i don't care Sam Frodo, Sam and Frodo are on the mountain, and Frodo's like, I can't keep going. And he's like, I can't carry the ring, I love but I can it. carry you. And Sam picks up I Frodo and walks, and he's burnt and he's scarred yeah. and he's dirty. But One this of the best tiny little Gavin picks up Frodo <laughs> and walks up the hill. Dude, another good one is uh, Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Dude, yeah. Yeah. utterly love that movie. Beautiful. Yeah. And there's a scene right at the end where uh, I'm just going to ruin it. It's an old movie. I you should have seen it by yeah, now. It's it's a long time. So he's got this. He's got the bad guy down on the ground, and the guy is like, he says this weird line. He says, "I was building a house. I didn't deserve this." And Clint Eastwood's response is, "Deserves got nothing to do with it," and he kills him. It's like a perfect. It's a perfect weird picture of the gospel in a weird way <laughs> because deserves got nothing to do with it. Like right. you. A younger guy earlier in the film says they got it coming. He goes, we all got it coming. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. good. What about Sean? I want to hear Sean. What so about good. you, man? What are the movies? Oh, gosh. And I they can't know. be any of the ones we listed. Go ahead. Yeah, I love all the movies that you guys listed. Oh, you. Um, but. But. I've had super transcendent experiences watching, like, The NeverEnding Story. Oh, that's I just thought it was so one. good. Don't like it. And uh, Really? <laughs> It insists upon itself, it right? It insists upon itself. Well, you know what? It should insist upon it's, itself. I thought there were parts in that movie that uh, I shouldn't have seen when I was five years horse. old. Yeah, the horse dies, but also... Oh, I have like, bipolar and depression. I'm dying in a swamp. He That's deals, life. He, like, has to face who he really is. Like, he remember, he's in the snowy part, and he looks in the mirror. And, that, and the other guy's saying, he goes, this is the worst trial. He has to actually face himself. And I was just like, ugh. Uh, the Iron Giant obviously oh, brings me to tears one. every time. Dude, what about Fox and the Hound? Oh, the Fox and the Hound I was brutal. that movie. Iron so Giant. Weird. Superman. The Iron Giant. A creature that was programmed. A creature that has no free will. Chooses to have free will to save people. It's like me. Oh, it's great. When I got saved. Yeah, right? I chose I it. thought it was so good. Um, yeah, you chose your salvation. Uh, or was it the was robots cool. programming from beforehand? He, he broke... <laughs> no, because he, he was like a weapon, but he he broke out of that. Someone had to have made Because he saw something greater. He liked pie, He too. saw some great... <laughs> yeah, he did love pie. So, Iron Giant, never-ending story. Do you like Tombstone at all, Sean? I love Tombstone. Have we known each other long enough? You know what my most favorite... For you to call me Cornelius. ...movie is that for some reason is transcendent? What? You already know this, but... And I know it's weird, and I, I'm not suggesting that anybody watch this. Uh-oh. But train spotting hits me like oh, right in the feels. Fifth element. <laughs> I've never seen train spotting. I'm not train saying you should watch spotting, it. You wait, shouldn't watch it. There I'm is saying. hold on. They shouldn't watch it, but train spotting does say something about the core of man. Dude, it's that it, he loves heroin. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Didn't that that dude direct 28 days later? Too? Yes. That's a really good movie. Danny Boyle He's a good is director. director. He's a fantastic. That, He's uh, done some good stuff. Brazilian name? He Daniel did. Boyle. Brazilian. Yeah, Danny Boyle. Brazilian. I think Salvador. it's African. <laughs> Salvador? He directed a lot of great films. Yeah, he's he's I, good. I haven't disliked that. Is that is the widest name, Boyle. Yeah. I'm like, you 
Those are the people who look at the moon and get sunburned. I, like, that's like me. That's- I will even say on a on our sister podcast, I guess, Pizza Fortress. Yeah, they said Pizza that Fortress. T two Train Spotting Two was not a good movie. I loved it, and for some reason, I loved it. It's I'm not suggesting this to anybody, especially if you're a Christian and you like Kevin Sorbo <laughs> movies. Please don't watch Train Spotting. I'm just not watch Facing it. the Your Giants. Or yeah, something but like there's there's something about it. Or Courageous Nine. I think just like forces me to seek God. Book of Eli is a good Christian film. Yeah, that was a good one. He, oh, he says the word God. I will uh, say, you know, it's the best horror slash fiction film I've seen. Have you guys seen The Shack? No. <laughs> Dude. Did they make a movie? It, it takes, so it takes a real book, the Bible, and uh, makes a fictional telling of it. It's so crazy. Oh, the way he ruins everything. It's so crazy. Frailty. Do you remember Greatest, Frailty? Frailty was a great film. Who was in Frailty? Oh, only the greatest remember. actor who ever. Was, who was Chet? It? Yeah. Departed. I like Departed. Oh yeah, that's a Departed good movie. Good. How like about the, no con- no country for old men, dude? Yeah, I remember. Remember that, we saw that. No, in the that theater? has meaning at the end. Yeah, all the, yeah. Uh, all yeah. these people. Seth and I saw that in the theater. All these people I walked out because they were like, "I don't understand it," and they yeah. were really frustrated by the end of the movie. Yeah, and I was just blown away. Yeah, it was I love Shock won best adaptation of a nonfiction book, I believe. Where did it <laughs> win that? Interesting. Um, hell, I think it was hell. <laughs> No, no country for old men. What was it? It's a story Tommy Lee Jones tells at the end. He goes, yeah. I had this Love dream. It. He's like going and all these people are going on beyond me. And, and even um, his dad or whatever, or the older guy in the wheelchair says, this isn't new. That's vanity. He right. goes, this, yeah. Is, yeah. this yep. is already happened. I was like, yes. All right. Well, that wraps up <laughs> Tales from the Ditch. So send all your uh, complaints to Sean from Tales from the Ditch at gmail.com. Watch good movies. I don't know. Mike, don't do you have anything you want to say? Why are you no. doing here, Mike? I just, I, 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 I question our existence. Zip it up. Zip it out. Yeah.